Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. We are on the Relay Podcasting Network, and today I'm really happy to be joined once again by Amelia Gappin. Amelia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the reason why. So um, will you tell people, I don't usually do this um, with second second guests, but I think that it's kind of important to do a little bit of background and review before we uh, uh, start moving on to new topics. So will you tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am the co-founder and CTO of an organization called My Trans Health, and we are working to create a site where trans people can find doctors who are knowledgeable about transgender healthcare and want to provide good healthcare to them. It's been for a long time a very difficult thing for trans people. So we're trying to help connect the doctors who are good at it with the people who need it. Um, And we also have some plans for doing education to increase the numbers of doctors out there who are capable of providing this care. So I know that a lot of a lot of my listeners are going to be wondering, and this is something that we covered in our previous episode, which I will link in the show notes, but a lot of people are going to be wondering, why is it important to have um, healthcare providers who are knowledgeable about um, healthcare for transgender people? Sure. Um, one of the big issues um, is that a lot of doctors seem to just have no idea how trans people even exist. Uh, it's very similar to most of the general public because because there's no training for how to provide healthcare to trans people. So many of them don't understand what's relevant and what's not. Um, sometimes you might go to the doctor because you have the flu or an ear infection. And once they find out that you're transgender, they start asking you questions about your genitals and things that really don't apply in that situation. They sometimes let their own curiosity uh, get in the way of providing you the care you need. Many doctors also don't know how to administer things like hormone replacement therapy. Um, There are very few doctors who do some of the surgeries that trans people may have. And then there are some doctors who are just very bigoted and will tell you to pray more or that you're not really what you say you are. So there's all these different barriers to getting care. And in the trans community, there's a suicide, an attempted suicide rate of 42%. So 42% of trans people have attempted suicide. And lack of access to care definitely plays into this a lot. If you can't get the care you need to address the issues you're having, it helps to create a, hope, a feeling of hopelessness. And that can lead to, in some cases attempted suicide. Another thing that I know that a lot, um, that a lot of my trans friends have told me is that they, they spend a lot of time educating their providers, um, instead of receiving healthcare. So you have, you know, 10 to 15 minutes allotted to see a, a doctor and you're telling them what they really like should know what they need to know to be able to provide basic care. Um, and you know, you don't you you just don't get the care you need. Um, so I'm I'm really really excited um, that this resource exists um, now. Uh, actually, as of uh, I think our release date is going to be uh, May third. Um, so 
that's also your release date, right? Yes. May 3rd. It's going to be a busy day, but we're really excited for it. We're going to be launching in six cities with over 450 providers already. And we're going to be working really hard to continue expanding as quickly as possible until we're nationwide. And then hopefully um, in the longer term, worldwide. There are definitely some other things to tackle before expanding outside of the U.S. Healthcare works differently in different countries. And we really want to make sure that we understand all of those things before we come in and say, hey, we've got you. Like, we, we want to make sure that when we say we've got you, we really do have you. And like, we've taken into account all of these different intricacies. So let's go back just a little bit. And will you tell me how you and your, I don't know, your your power team decided to start My Trans Health? Because it's a huge undertaking um, to, to be like, yeah, let's let's create a nationwide, maybe worldwide resource for people, comprehensive resource for people. I mean, that's that's huge, Amelia. Yeah, um, a, a lot of it's come from we've all had our own issues with doctors um, not understanding us or not being willing to give us care, um, going to diff- many doctors before finding one who understands what we need or how to treat us, or even like just finding therapists who, you know, early on, as you're just trying, as you're just starting to put things together, you know, a therapist who can help facilitate that and understands that can really help a lot. So we've all struggled there. um, And we really wanted to make a difference. And, you know, it's funny, like, even after we started the project, I've had my own issues. In fact, I think I've had more issues in the last year and a half since starting this project than I did beforehand. My personal doctor, my um, the doctor that I used to get my hormones from actually dropped me as a patient, not because they didn't know what they're doing. They actually specialize in this. They were, they have too many patients and they can't keep up. And I was on a phone call with them last year, just doing a check-in. And I had mentioned that my primary care physician had asked me if I wanted her to prescribe my hormones for me. And my hormone doctor was like, yeah, absolutely. You, you go to them. We, we don't need to see you anymore. Wow. Basically, because they were so, they're so overwhelmed that if they could get rid of a patient, that would help them bring somebody else into the practice. Right. Um, and when I, I re- so I recently had surgery. And in order to have surgery, most doctors provide, uh, or they, there's a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through. And one of them is you have to have a letter from two different therapists. So I had to find another therapist, which is like, you know, when you go on your insurance provider's website, and you're looking for therapists that are covered, you don't get much more than a name and maybe a couple things. So some sites will list a couple specialties that they have, but there's no insight into them. So you're kind of just blindly calling. You really have no idea if these therapists you call are going to be supportive or not. And in order to get somebody to write a letter to say that you should be allowed to have surgery, you kind of have to tell them a lot of personal stuff. So there's, there's kind of a big emotional investment and going in blindly is kind of terrifying. 
So that, that, those are a couple of things that we really wanted to help alleviate. So where did you start? We started by kind of just recognizing that there are actually a lot of really great doctors out there already. The problem is finding them. So that felt like a really good place to start to kind of do something with the resources that already exist. So we kind of talked about how we can connect the people with these doctors. And of course, you know, it's 2016 or it was 2014 at the time. Um, you know, you build a website, you do what anybody else who works in tech wants to do. You just kind of throw technology at something. You, you throw at this problem and be like, well, maybe the problem will just go away if we throw an app at it. Right. Yeah. So we started, we started like, you know, building out a, a site, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. But the thing that we quickly realized was we couldn't just create a site where there's a listing of doctors and that's it. There had to be more to it. There had to be some sort of vetting process. So that's kind of where we veered off from what happens a lot of times in tech, where you just throw tech at things. We actually are adding a human element to it. So we're building a site, but we're also building an organization and a service around dealing with doctors and talking to them to get to know them. So there's kind of a two-part thing. They have to kind of get through this human filter before they get onto our site. And through those conversations, we're learning a lot that will help us be able to have conversations and do training to help more doctors be able to provide health care to trans people. So... All right. So you started in 2014. It's 2016. So it's two-ish years later. You went through a Kickstarter campaign. Um, mm -hmm. in, that was in August, correct? Yes. And now here you are six, a little over six months later, I guess, um, finally, finally launching this thing that you have given up evenings and weekends and probably like a lot of tears and sweat and maybe even some blood. Um, what, what has gone as you anticipated and what has been just completely thrown you for loop? To be honest, I don't think that anything has gone as planned. <laughs> I really think that the entire thing has just been a total, like, I don't want to say disaster because right. we've gotten here and here we're launching and we have something that I'm really proud of, but it's, it's definitely not been the road we expected. Um, building things is hard, especially yeah. when there's a lot of passion involved and there's a lot of emotion because this is addressing something we've all dealt with personally. So there's, there's kind of a lot of like in our conversations, there's, there's so much passion behind all of our opinions and all of our ideas that sometimes it, it's kind of too much passion in the conversation and you, you have to kind of bring it back and think about things logically about how you're actually going to solve the problem and not let too much emotion get in there. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, we did let a lot of emotion get in there and we had a ton of arguments. There, We've definitely had many periods of time where we all just hated each other. Mm -hmm. We all like couldn't even talk to each other for like mm -hmm. a week. Um, me and Kate, our executive director, went out a few weeks ago after the last time this happened. And we sat down at a bar with some beers. I was like, all right, 
we need to figure out how to not let all this passion get in the way. And we kind of just sat there and talked for a few hours just rationally about the different ways in which we work. And that was something you don't think about when you start a project with other people is that everybody works in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was the, so this whole thing for this conversation was prompted by an unforeseen roadblock. And he was like, okay, so what, how long is this going to take to get past what do we have to do? And my answer was, I don't know. I have no answer for you right now. And I was an engineering roadblock, but I just had nothing to give him at the time. I was like, I have to think about this. I have to like really look into this because I was not expecting to have to deal with this. And this is a little outside of my wheelhouse here. And of course, he, he's the kind of person who's like, okay, let's, let's find a solution. Like right now, let's do it. I'm like, I, I don't think there's an obvious one. And so, so we kind of get stuck at that. Like, he's the kind of person who wants to find a solution and wants to kind of hammer on something until you find a solution. And I'm the kind of person who's like, okay, there might not be a solution right now. Let's take a step back, kind of think about it and see if something comes up or let's, you know, table that for a few days work on some other things and maybe this maybe it'll work itself out Mm -hmm. and in the end this this situation actually did work itself out which they don't always do but trying to get on the same kind of plane when you've worked differently is really it's really difficult especially when it's an all-volunteer organization and there's no real like well I'm your boss or this is you know my job so let me tone it down a little so that I don't lose my job kind of thing. I'm over here nodding because this, it sounds a lot like my marriage where, where it's like, oh, we've got to like, we have very different communication styles and we have very different personalities. And sometimes, sometimes it's just like, we have to stop talking right now. Like that's, that's just how this is. And I don't know. It just reminds me how, uh, communication is so hard. It really is. It really, really is. So you're launching though we are finally (laughs) after many many hang-ups um we've consistently struggled to find consistent help with our front end side of things because i i'm a back-end engineer like that that's what i do and i really enjoy that i hate doing front-end work i hate doing css and javascript and anything that the user sees it's not really my thing (laughs) But finding somebody who wanted, who was passionate about our project and had the time and dedication to put in became really, really difficult. There were a lot of people who wanted to, um, but they didn't always pan out. So that, that, that held us up a bit. But here we are. So tell me again, uh, what cities are you launching with? We are launching in New York, Miami, Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago. Chicago and Dallas. Nice. I really hope I got that list right because we added a couple of the city, a couple of those cities last minute. Um, Dallas and Seattle were not originally going to be launch cities, but because the engineering took a while, we were able to kind of vet more providers in more places than we had expected by launch date. So we decided to just let's go live with them too. Sweet. So I think when we talked last, um, you were still working on the process of like what, 
what vetting providers would look like. Can you tell me what what that what that turn hmm, what that has turned out to be so far? I'm sure that you're still you know you'll always be refining it, but um let's say we have a provider or we have um have someone listening who wants to recommend their provider. Um what is the process like and how do people do that? Um so to recommend a provider It'll be very easy. You could just come fill out our submission page. Um, and then that'll send us a notification with whatever you give us. Even if you give us just a provider's name, we'll try to hunt that person down. Um, most of the vetting involves actual Googling them, trying to find find out what we can online, see if we can find anybody who's talked about them, any information they've provided. But then it also provides, it also includes actually talking to the provider, uh, usually via a phone call, um, and kind of just feeling out a little bit um, based on some questions and and a few other things. What if, if we think that they're going to actually be a quality provider? And, you know, that's kind of the hardest part, I think, of this whole project is that vetting thing, because mm-hmm. we, we have we're, we're trying to take some accountability Um. So you're taking accountability for other people who you're not necessarily always working with. So I'm really glad that that's the part of the project that I'm not working on. (laughs) I'm really glad that I'm just on the engineering side. Mm -hmm. Um, Cade, who, again, is our executive director, is the one who's been handling the vetting so far. And it's a process. He said that he spends about an hour per provider Mm -hmm. uh, between researching them and the phone call. Like if you just kind of put all that into one block of time and we've got 450 providers. So that's a lot of time just to the vetting. And so do you have, um, I'm curious if it's going, if there's going to be something like, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, like Annie's or, or one of those Angie's list is what I'm thinking of, um, where you can go and where people can kind of rate the provider or talk about their experience or what's the process like in case there was some kind of mistake in the vetting process. Sure. And that, that's something we're really worried about. Um, you know, what if we make a mistake mm-hmm. or how can we include the community in what we're doing? At launch, we're not going to have reviews or comments or any sort of rating system in place. Um, Part of the reason for that is that we wanted to be able to get something out there without being like, well, this is necessary to launch and this is necessary to launch and then never actually launching. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that once you allow people to start commenting and rating, it can be difficult because how do you sort of uh, manage that and regulate what people are saying? Uh, You don't want to get into a thing where a provider and a patient are going back and forth and a patient may have a bad experience at a doctor, totally unrelated to the fact that they're trans. Mm-hmm. Maybe that patient showed up an hour late and the doctor couldn't see them. And if you're the patient, you're probably kind of mad about that, but also that might be your fault. So there's a lot of things that we want to be able to take into account. We want to take that feedback because the majority of it is probably going to be very helpful um, but we do want to make sure that it's quality and it's helpful. So it's a, we're still working out exactly how we're going to implement that. We have a lot of stuff in the code um, already built out to support that. But there is probably going to be heavy moderation mm-hmm. on the comments themselves. Just to, you know, we also want to make sure that we don't get invaded by 
anti-trans people. Right. So we definitely want to make sure that we have a good moderation system in place. And I think that once we roll this out, it's going to provide us a, a level of feedback for what we're doing ourselves. If we vet a doctor and say that we think they're good and there's a lot of users who are coming and saying, well, no, I had a bad experience. There's obviously something we need to adjust or look at differently. What other challenges do you anticipate you'll encounter kind of as you're rolling this out and it's really being tested by by the masses? I hope the masses. I think one of the big things I'm worried about personally is how we expand to rural America when there might be one provider within like a hundred miles of a person. Yeah. You know, Iowa might only have for the whole state, a handful of providers who are decent. So finding them is going to be much more difficult. It's easy in a city like New York where everybody's really close together. There's a lot of people here. There are already some resources um, that people have that we could kind of tap into. And there's a lot of word of mouth when you're in a big in a big city. But when you're in like some some rural area, how do you how do you find that? And that, that's kind of one of the challenges that we we still need to figure out what the best way to tackle it is. Submissions help a lot, but we don't want to rely just on submissions. We want to make sure that we're actively pursuing and looking for providers on our own. Yeah, um, the the rural thing hits really close to home for me because um, one of my childhood best friends is trans and um, kind of helping them from afar because I, I, you know, I live in a metro area now, you know, far from home and, you know, kind of trying to help them find that support and a doctor and, and all of that stuff. It was really, really, really difficult. It was a lot of like scrubbing message boards and, you know, trying to find like, um, LGBTQ um, organizations in the area and then kind of connecting dots from there. And, um, you know, they were able to find someone like 70 miles from home. Um, And then there's a whole other thing because they don't have a car, they can't drive. And, you know, there, there are a lot of challenges for, I mean, just obtaining generalized healthcare in rural areas, let alone, you know, specialized healthcare, or, I mean, I guess, and I'm calling it specialized healthcare and I don't think it should be, but at this point it is, you know? Yeah. You almost have to treat it like that Yeah, um, because you can't assume that every doctor knows about it. Yeah. And I was shocked. Like when they texted me and were like, I found someone, I was like, wow. And they're not in, you know, like Denver or something. It was, uh, it was pretty amazing to me, which is kind of a sad state of things. Yeah, it, it's really, really tough. And we want to we want to be the ones doing that hard work. We don't because every trans person so far has kind of had to do that work themselves. Yeah. Some are lucky because again they live in a place like New York where there's a lot of resources. But a lot don't and a lot have to do that work of like you said, going through message boards online. Um you know, by any means necessary. And that's a lot on top of everything else you're already dealing with. So we really, we want to take that burden away from, from the community as much as we can. 
How do you feel about all of this? I mean, I know that you've you've been working toward it and you've been, you know, I don't know, thinking about it and I, stewing in it is is the word my initial like you've been stewing in this for almost two years. But now that now that you're close to at least, you know, an initial launch, how do you feel? Do you feel overwhelmed or excited or, you know, all of all of the things it's a lot of different emotions. I'm definitely very overwhelmed by trying to get all these last minute things yeah. done. Um, because every time you think like, all right, we're good. All the big bugs are done. A whole new bunch crop up. Or, you know, anybody who works in software knows this where you, you fix a bug and then all of a sudden there's three other bugs mm-hmm. that were hidden by that one bug. So, you know, it's a little overwhelming dealing with that and knowing that once we go live... I'm going to be the person who's on call basically 24-7 for who knows how long, the indefinite future. Um, So that's a little overwhelming, but it's also really exciting that this thing that we've built is finally launching and we're finally going to get to show people. And it also means that there's no longer this all or nothing situation where, you know, you work on something, but it doesn't, you can't release it yet. Once we've launched the product, like we can actually start adding smaller features as we're going. So it's like you work on something, you can immediately kind of put that out there. Whereas like right now, there's things I've been working on for a year that still haven't really seen the light of day yet because we haven't launched. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting to be able to get to a state where you get to see this progress live in front of the whole world. I'm so excited. I'm just... I'm really excited for you. And of course, you know, I'm a little scared that we're going to launch and that everything's just going to go wrong or everything's going to break <laughs> because, you know, you know, that's, that's kind of how it goes. It is. At every, at every job I've worked at in engineer in software, deploying things or launching things is always really scary. Like at my last job, after we did a release, everybody would have to come in early for the next few days, Mm -hmm. like hours early. And everybody was really tense about it. Um, And even like at at Tumblr, which is where I work during the day, like when you deploy something out to production and we're constantly doing that, you're kind of a little sweaty. You're watching all these different graphs (laughs) and logs, making sure you don't break everything. It's really nerve wracking, but it's also really exciting at the same time. It's just that now it's a much smaller team and it's kind of like all on, you know, three or four of us on the engineering side to really make sure that we're keeping up with things. Yeah. uh, You know, I, I haven't really worked in a product that does, you know, like live deployment because it's always been apps. Um, So, you know, you have like the whole release process, you have the, the beta tracks, you've got especially on the Apple side, you have review and like testing and and all this stuff that happens. And it's still really, really frightening. But I remember my days in, um, you know, like in an IT department and, you know, like, should I upgrade the server? What's going to break if I just upgrade the server? And how late will I have to stay tonight if I just upgrade the server, you know, Um, let alone like launching something to, uh, thousands or millions of people um it can yeah. be because you you can't account for every every setup and every scenario and i mean you do the best you can but 
It'll be good though. Yeah. It'll be there's good. been there have been plenty of things where I think everything works perfectly and then I deploy it to our test server and nope, it just starts spewing errors and I'm like this worked on my machine. Yeah. You know, what's going on here? So you try to account for that as much as you can, but sometimes, yeah, there are those differences and there's not much you can do about it except fix it when it blows up. And at least you have the chance. So. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those struggles when you have, even if you have a staging environment, if your staging environment is it exactly the same as yeah. your production environment, you do sort of have that opportunity for something to go wrong. Yay, developing. It's so much fun. <laughs> So, okay. So right now, four people launching in, as we're recording this, a little over a week, and plans for world's domination. Um, do you have some intermediate steps planned out at this point? Or, or are you just focused on the next couple of weeks? We do have a ton of intermediate steps. Um, once we kind of launch, I think there's going to be like... A period where we all take a breather for a week or so. We do have plans that we want to start finding some more dedicated help, especially on the front end. And we're actually going to start development on our native mobile apps. We have a developer who just joined our team this week who's going to start on that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, on the provider side, we're looking to hopefully bring in some people who can help us with the vetting process, but we're going to continue that as aggressively as we can. On the engineering side, one of the next things I really want to start working on is the user accounts. So you can actually start saving providers you like, nice. um, saving searches. So you could say, this is a great search, or these are the terms I search for often. Let me just save it. Uh, so those are probably the next few things we want to work on. A lot of the user stuff is already built, so hopefully that's something we can roll out relatively quickly. Super exciting. So if someone's interested um, in helping out, um, can they get in touch with you or do you have you know people in mind already? Um, I would love to have people get in, in touch with us. Um, they can email me, at, or they can actually just email the whole team at info at mytranshealth.com. Or you can tweet at us, send us a message on Tumblr, uh, or MyTransHealth everywhere, um, or Facebook. So any of those things work, we'll see them. Usually we end up directing people to email just because it's a little easier to have a conversation there. But, you know, we'll contact us however you want, and we'll... Uh, <laughs> Make it work. We'll, we'll make that happen. Yeah. Okay. Hope, and hopefully we have a good spot for you. Um, right now we are looking for some somebody who's really dedicated for front end. So it's, it's a little difficult because we have right now two front end developers, but nobody's really a lead. Mm. Um, so I'm, I am looking for somebody who could kind of take the lead and wrangle in other developers a little so that things are being done in a uniform way and... It's not like the wild, wild west in our code base. <laughs> oh, but so much adventure later if that happens. I know. But right now, I've done mo pretty much the majority of the backend code. So it's all, it all at least looks like one person did it. Mm. I'll save judgment for whether or not it's 
good for when somebody else actually <laughs> starts digging in there. But it does look like one person did it. Um, it's at least organized in some manner, which is, you know, and it's easy when there is somebody who's kind of able to take the lead. Yeah. Um, when you don't have somebody who's kind of taking the lead and everybody's just working on tasks that they're assigned, their ways of doing things could start to diverge, especially if they're working on separate areas that aren't constantly overlapping. Yeah. So you've talked about um, needing help on the front end, but like you, all of you are each responsible for your thing, right? For the most part. And, and there's not a whole lot of overlap and you've been going at this really, really hard for, you know, I know the last six months and I know that you were working, you were devoting weekends and evenings previous to that so when do you when does your team get relief like when do the founding members kind of get to have lives again i don't know that i have a good answer for that because the answer might be never or like very far out in the future uh we have a lot of big plans and we know that once we launch this there are going to be a lot of people coming to us directly because we, we had a fair amount of that after the Kickstarter. People started reaching out to us, asking us for help and finding providers in all the places there. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there are places that we're not supporting at launch just because the size of our team has some limitations for how much we can have um, at launch at least. So I, I think that there's going to still be a lot of that. And there is going to be a lot of pressure for us to expand quickly mm-hmm. and make sure that we're getting to the people who need us. So in terms of getting rest, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think some of it does come back to that all or nothing thing though, mm-hmm. where with it no longer being all or nothing, we could kind of roll out little things here and there. And if you take a week off, like to take a breather you don't have a release date that's getting pushed back. Right. You know, it's just, okay, well, this feature is going to wait a week. I, um, I don't know. I just worry. I'm, I'm like the internet's mother, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just worried that you're working sustainably. <laughs> I live in a constant state of being overwhelmed yeah. and burnt out. Yeah. It's, I, I actually don't really know how to exist if I'm not overwhelmed. <laughs> it's it's very, very bad. It's not a good thing. And I'm not right. really proud of it. But, you know, for the last few months now, I've been juggling my full-time job, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, my trans health, which I've been putting as much time as I possibly can into. Um, recovering from a very major surgery, which has been a lot, needed a lot more attention than I ever could have expected. Um, that's almost like a full-time job just dealing with all that. And it's about three months out now and it's still, I'm only just getting to a point where like, it's not every waking moment. It's every other waking moment. And, you know, being a runner and wanting to, you know, run and get back into shape for fall marathon season after having this surgery. So I'm trying to like juggle that. And I've got all these things that are all very, very time consuming so I put a lot of pressure on myself. So I'm just constantly overwhelmed with all the things I have to do. It it sounds very overwhelming. Um, and I, I totally understand. 
Yeah, if I have a moment though where I'm just chilling and I'm and I don't have anything to do, I start freaking out. I'm like, wait, there's got to be something. Something <laughs> needs to be. That's because done. you have so many things I, you I, are doing that. Yes. I, yeah, I just I am incapable of relaxing. I do not know how to do it. And like any definition of the word, I just can't do it. So, were you like this when you were little, or is this is this new since you started taking so many things on that now you've adapted to it? Um, it's, I don't want to necessarily say that it's new because it's something I've been doing in some form my entire life. Okay. It wasn't always productive things, but I used to at least be keeping myself busy, like trying to just like do a lot of things, whether or not they were really like productive things. Um, but then kind of like in college, I went through a phase for like a couple years where I was Kind of same thing I'm doing now, or juggling like 10 different things. I constantly at my wits end. And I'm finding myself in the past year and a half back in that, back in the same thing. And it just, I don't know. It it seems to be where I always end up. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of have that problem too. Like I went through, I don't know. I put a lot of pressure on myself in school and then also, you know, working and side projects and, uh, wanting to do everything podcast and running a podcast. Yeah. You know, like I've got, I've got the podcast. I'm, um, a core co-organizer of app camp for girls Phoenix. So like trying to, to kind of get all of that planned out and, um, you know, and then until recently working full time and then helping, you know, my husband has side projects in a business and, you know, trying to help him with all of that. And, um, like, I don't know. I just, I I kind of know that at least my version of that feeling that pressure and like I I have to keep going and I finally got to the point where I was just like I you know I it's too much and what what am I prioritizing right now and I had to like I I quit my job <laughs> not prioritizing my job right now and I um I'm very fortunate that I was able to do that and you know less than or equals biweekly at least you know for this foreseeable future because it was just like I've got I've got too much going on. So I know what a relief that's been for me. Um, And I don't know. I just um, so I think a lot of this this line of questioning is me projecting that stress that I was feeling until about three weeks ago (laughs) onto you. Like uh, like I I constantly felt brittle and like I was going to break and it was like something something's got to change here. Um, And so I just I don't know. I worry about my Internet peeps. You're as bad as I am, though, it sounds like. <laughs> well, I just, there's so many things I can do in so many ways that, like, I want to help people, you know? And um, and so I, I tend to stick my hands in all of the pies and um, trying to help and, you know, then spreading myself too thin. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what happens. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, I am looking forward to, launching and having a lot of that pressure relieved Mm -hmm. of like we did a kickstarter we have to we have to do this we can't be a failed kickstarter project um yeah so i think that at least and like i'll still have as much work to do but i'll have a little pressure off of some of it you know so i think that that could help a little and like you said being able to do incremental updates instead of a huge launch and yeah you know that kind of thing will definitely help too and honestly um i hope that you get to the point where you have 
like four back end engineers because you can't handle it all yourself. You know, I just, um, I think it's so important and, um, like I think my trans health is so important and I think that you taking care of yourself is also important. So like, I want, I want things to be successful so you can have more people so that you can maybe do a little less. <laughs> sure. Um, though there is always the downside of more people, more problems, That's more true. people to manage, That's more true. people to kind of, you know, nudge along. And when you're doing volunteer organization, you don't have a lot to kind of, um, pressure them with mm-hmm. or like hold over their heads because you so you don't want to push them too hard and that they're just like well this isn't really worth my time but you do want to push a little bit so you kind of get some work Results, out of them right. um yeah because you are trying to build a thing after all um but when there's no like pressure of like a paycheck on them there's you know, it's easy for them to not have the same priorities that you have or the same level of dedication. Yeah. Everything's a trade-off. Everything's a trade-off. Everything is problematic. Is. <laughs> Everything's a problem. Everything's a problem. That's been my adulthood. Like my favorites are problematic. The things I love are problematic. Like everything is a problem. And it's just what problems am I willing to deal with? And what am I not? And what am I going to do something about? It's like I say at work all the time. Literally everything is the worst. Yes. <laughs> Literally everything. It's all the worst. Yes, it is. I totally but agree. What you, but what you've, and it's, that sounds really pessimistic, but what you've kind of accepted that, and like you see that, like, okay, everything's terrible, and you kind of just accept it, then you can kind of work within it, and it doesn't bother you as much, because you're like, well, whatever, this is kind of the situation, like, whatever, it, it is what it is. This is awful, but then that other thing's going to be awful too. So <laughs> there's no, you, you, you kind of remove the grass is greener on the other side thing, but just like, well, the other side is awful too. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I, I totally, I totally see that. I do because it's like, and, and then I, I feel like it kind of gives me, me personally, the chance to step back and be like, okay, so so which of these awful things am I going to make better? Like, where do I want to dedicate my energy? Because all of this is going to take energy, right? It's, it's all bad. It's all going to take energy. So what, what am I going to give energy to and what am I not? Um, so I don't know. I can, I agree with you. I I think it's kind of freeing in a way to kind of have that perspective, but it sounds, it sounds bad when you say, Oh, everything's the worst. Yeah. It does sound bad when you say it. (laughs) But then you explain it and maybe it doesn't sound quite as awful. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, if someone um, wants to. So accounts are coming. I was going to ask about account creation. So at this point, that's that's off the board. So this is a free resource for people to use, correct? Yes. And our promise is going to be that it's always going to be free to use. Um, we do want to kind of figure out like ways to have income so that it's Mm self-sustaining, but we, and this is going to be something that's like well written into all of our, like the charter, you know, whatever you have when you kind of, you know, file for a, for nonprofit status, which is like, we've kind of started the process of, but we're going to make sure that this is kind of like written in that it's always going to be free to use. Uh, Cause that, that's really important to us. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm just, now I'm thinking about, well, how can they earn money? Okay. That's, that's not, see, this is not my problem right now. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's our problem. It's, we do have, we do have some ideas. Um, nice. We have a few ideas. We still have to kind of explore them and see what's feasible because, you know, you could always go the route of like, oh, well, you could have kind of like sponsored providers who like, like a doctor who pays to have their name higher in the search mm-hmm. results or whatever. But you don't want to degrade the integrity of what you're offering, of what right. you're giving people. So that, that's definitely a thing to consider. And I don't know if that's a route we'd ever go down. If we did, it would be very, very carefully. Yeah. Um, and we would probably be very transparent about it. Um, transparency is something that's really important to us. So we would never like try to sneak that in there, like without people really knowing. Um, but yeah, we do, we do have a few other ideas too, for partnerships that we might be able to do with other organizations where we can, where they could kind of hook into our database, um, and things like that. But, you know, there's still things that we're exploring. Well, it's good to hear that you're thinking about it though. I feel like a lot of, um, I feel like a lot of people get started on projects like this because they're they're passionate about it and they see the need for it. They've experienced the need for it and then they don't think about how they're going to sustain it. Um, you know, so, you know, like the failed Kickstarters, like you hear like, you know, we'll we'll do our initial product run and then the money's gone and we can't we can't produce anything else, um, you know, even if they get that far. So it's good to hear that, you know, it, it's something that you're taking into consideration and that you've you're thinking about because, um, you know, like like we know, it's it's such a valuable, valuable needed resource right now. Like someday I hope that it's not needed and that you know, anyone can go to a doctor and get help, but that's just not where we are right now. Yeah. Unfortunately that day seems like it's quite a ways off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, best case scenario, yeah. Best case scenario I think is that we make ourselves obsolete. Yeah. I I think so too. We do such a good job where we're no longer needed. Yeah. But I I think that there's a lot of work that would go into making that a reality. Um, but I guess that's the goal. I guess that's the goal is to succeed so much that we don't need to exist. Fingers crossed. Well, Amelia, how can people find you and my trans health online? Um, I'm most easily found on Twitter. My username is entirely Amelia spelled A M E L I A. And my trans health is on Twitter at my trans health. Um, we also, our site is at mytranshealth.com. We are on Tumblr as MyTransHealth, Facebook as MyTransHealth, even Instagram as MyTransHealth. We, we secured our username everywhere. Good. Now cue somebody who's listening being like, oh, well, I bet they didn't get it on such and such <laughs> network. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. And if you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to relay.fm slash LTOE and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be wonderful if you'd leave a review or a star rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal.